0: 1049 The Horn, it is a midweek movie music edition of Ball Don't Lie on 1049 The Horn, that's when Patrick takes songs from a soundtrack that inspired him, plays those jams for us, and based on the selections that are played hard, you're not supposed to get the clues and hints that lead us to the featured film of midweek movie music, and today, Guardians of the Galaxy Part 2, because Part 3 is coming out this weekend, uh, but... This is actually the six-year anniversary of Guardians of the Galaxy Part Two, which came out. And I got to tell you, I love the soundtrack. I love the Part One soundtrack. was great, too. This one, damn good, too. He's really eclectic because he's all over the yeah. place. He's got R&B. He's got soul. He's got a little funk in there, too. He's got some rock. he got everything you need on that soundtrack. Everything. Man. Yeah,
1: that's why well, I— Well, I'll be curious to what the soundtrack is for three. That's a great—I wonder
0: if it'll—yeah, because they've—man. They use so many iconic songs. So, yeah, I'm wondering how what they're going to switch it up with in part three. Uh, I'm actually going to probably go see that in the theaters. I know Chad always got his tickets. So him and uh, his family are probably going to go see Guardians of the Galaxy. Harge already said him and his family are going to go see it because uh, DJ, his son, is a big Marvels uh, fan. So a lot of people excited about Guardians of the Galaxy, which is why my man Patrick uh, always in the know, hooking us up for midweek movie music yeah. edition of Ball Don't Lie. Uh,
1: I'm sure I'll see it, like, in pieces on TNT and... Three years.
0: Uh Yeah, it comes out quick, doesn't it? That's another it could, thing yeah, too. Yeah, it'll, it'll
1: be at some point, and then just and it'll just keep coming on, and then I'll end up seeing the whole movie throughout like a t- four month period, where oh, it's yeah, just like you don't sit out and watch anything. No, yeah, That's your problem. too you oh, the attention span for any of that.
0: And that's uh, a great point, though. You don't have to wait as long for those movies to be accessible to your home viewing as you used to. Used to, yeah. uh, if you wanted to see a movie that was coming out in the movie theater, and you wanted to see it at home, you had to wait damn near a year, like a good year plus. Yeah cuz they wanted the you house. to all
1: go see the theaters yes. and so they were like you're not going to see it. But now they're like we're out of the we're out of people's minds. by the time we hit the streaming platform they're like oh we've moved on. We oh, don't yeah. care anymore. You,
0: in about 2 weeks or a month you'll be able to, yeah, probably less than probably ready to stream it. Sometimes they have a sometimes they have a bit of a timeline, a time frame where they don't allow you to stream it because they want to try to yeah. promote people going to the movies. But sometimes they release it it's streamable. The same time it's releasing the movies, yeah. at and the sometimes same
1: time. it's like you can buy it online. Where yes, it's, not, exactly. it's not a streaming service, but you can buy it. You can it.
0: buy it. Yeah, you can buy it on like just Apple. Like watch it at
1: home. We don't care. We just want your money.
0: Yeah, like Apple TV or something. I, honestly, not, you, I just convinced myself I'll probably do it that way. Then <laughs> <laughs> I just convinced myself not to go to the movies. I'll just do that. Go to the movies. I gotta sneak in my own candy and all that. I'm tired of sneaking in candy and stuff like that. Wearing the a jacket in the middle of summer. Uh, yeah, you gotta bring in a jacket. You gotta but- bring. You gotta bring in all the clothes. And that's why I gotta go with my, I like going to the movies with my wife Because she got the bag And I just throw yeah. stuff in her bag We all good you know what I mean? Uh, but there you go. Uh, midweek movie music edition of Ball Don't Lie. Uh, my man Patrick cooking us up. Broaden eye Rising with Guardians of the Galaxy Part 2. All right, we got some NFL news notes and nuggets to share here. Uh, we will get into the Cowboys, also get to the Texans. And uh, if we have time, uh, I want to hit the Puna Ford news as well. Puna Ford, Lifetime Longhorn, has a new home. Former Seattle Seahawks was a free agent, now has a new home with the Buffalo Bills. And I'll tell you why that is significant. It goes back to something I've been preaching about on these very airways for the last I don't know, three or four months now. and Even the Cowboys uh, with that Mozzie Smith pick also was uh, something that I, I brought up that is starting to trend in the NFL, starting to become a trend in the league. So we'll get into that too coming up here in uh, the 6 o'clock. All right, let's start with the Dallas Cowboys news. It was Clarence Hill of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. My man Chio does a great job, as always. Uh, he had uh, breaking news earlier today, and it was about – uh, it, it was about Michael Parsons, and it's about his now current role uh, with the team. He was once considered to be a hybrid player. They would move him around, an off-ball linebacker, move him to defensive end. Um, every year, um, he has progressed more and more toward being a, a more of a defensive end and less of an off-ball linebacker. Um, he uh, reported today, Clarence Hill did, that Michael Parsons informed the media that he is switching full-time to defensive end. Cowboys Pro Bowl linebacker Michael Parsons is not participating in team offseason program. Uh, he is working out in Austin, adding bulk, he says, and wait to be a full-time defensive end. Um, he said that he will return to the Cowboys for OTAs. He tweeted out in response to that report, LOL, people hear bulk and think I'm going from 246 to 270. If you've seen any of my videos, I'm still very slim and I'm putting on good weight. I'm standing at 252. Currently, I will not surpass 255 at any time in my career. This is just me putting on more muscle to carry the load. There's no doubt Michael Parsons is going to end up being the highest paid defensive pe- player in NFL history. Um, Patrick, you had those numbers. I mean, I think it was around 30-something million dollars a yeah, year. Yeah, Aaron
1: Donald's around 31, I think. Or Yeah, so it's... So it's got to be a little bit more. So, yeah, I mean, you're looking at what a three four year deal. You think? Yes. Yeah, they're gonna try to lock him down for as long as well, possible. What you want? What you what you prefer as a team is to sign a five six year deal with yes. a ton of money up front, and then you basically go, well, if we want to cut you later, we can, and it won't kill us, or we need to renegotiate or whatever. But we're gonna pay a lot of it up front. Unfortunately, Cowboys, I don't think really work that way a lot because they're constantly in cap trouble, so they have to. They need to find their capologist for this next season. I need I don't know if you need to hire somebody from the Rams or hire someone else, but when you got to sign Trayvon Diggs and Micah Parsons, and then Dax money's coming up, and we have to you know, there's just a lot of decisions that need to be made, and you're now you got Brandon mm-hmm. Cooks, if you're gonna keep him, CeeDee Lamb is coming up as well. Yeah. That's another twenty plus million. Easy. That's a lot of money, and you need to talk to your capologist to go, I right, how can we do this? Take one big hit as as billionaires. That it's going to be a 70, $80 million offseason for us, like in, in checks that we're writing right then. And yeah. we're going to have to write that. But that will then set us up for another opening a window where we have four to five years of being able to make actual moves.
0: I'm with you. I I think they should be even open to a shorter-term deal with a lot more guaranteed money in it, and you can front-load the deal, essentially go cash over cap, as you've talked about. Now, I know the Cowboys don't usually do that, as you just said. Uh, They prefer to... Um really work the salary cap or maneuver the salary cap uh the closer they get to the you know to to the start of the new year um rather than try to increasingly give themselves enough salary cap room because they don't they don't really operate in free agency. A lot of teams, they want to maneuver the salary cap and have enough room so that they can really make moves in free agency. Cowboys don't operate that way. Most homegrown team in the league. They operate through the draft, which gives them a lot of salary cap breaks because they're paying. They're basically getting the best bargain you can get for a talent acquisition. Um, but I dig in, P- parsons case because you're going to have to pay Micah parsons highest paid defensive player you're going to make him the highest paid defensive player in NFL history 30 plus million dollars Trevon disc going want to be the highest paid cornerback in NFL history that's 20 something million dollars you might want to think about at least with one of those deals uh probably the Micah deal man giving him most of that up front in a signing bonus or cash cash upfront so that you can have some salary cap relief later on um, and I assume one day you're gonna want to restructure. You're gonna want to keep Michael Parsons with you throughout the entirety of his career, or at least the most of his prime. And he's I don't yeah. even know if he's actually I don't even know if he's at, at the 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 cusp of his prime. I don't know if he's on the precipice of his prime just yet. Well, and he- I
1: mean we're gonna see this year with like, moving to D end if that exactly if that inv- if it raises his stock where he's gonna have more sacks and and is a better pass rusher with Mozzie Smith in there or a pass uh, defender. We have to see if that all works out or if oh man, there was something to be able to move him on the edge and have somebody else.
0: I like moving him around, and I hope they'll still move him around. I think, Mike, I think that Dan Quinn, is, he believes in positionless football. He's a progressive mind. I think he'll still move him around, but there's no doubt every year Uh, he has been progressing toward being a more of a full-time defensive end. In year one, 374 snaps on the D-line, 498 at linebacker. Year two, 738 snaps on the D-line, 171 at linebacker. So it has been a natural progression for him, but it, it, it is a nightmare for offensive coordinators when matchup, based week-to-week game planning, they have to figure out where the hell Micah Parsons is. It's like, like, where's Waldo? Except the nightmarish version of it. Where the hell is Micah? When you know where Micah's going to be, now Micah is elite, and he's still going to get 12, 13 sacks. He's going to get his. It does make it easier to game plan when I know where he's going to be. I can put a back over there to chip him, put an H back over there, I can make him run the hump. I can just make it tougher. I make Light tougher on him because I know where he'll be. Hopefully, depending on if they have a elite left tackle or elite right tackle, make his life easier, run him on lots of twists and stunts. Nobody runs more twists and stunts and loops up front than Dan Quinn, but also give him advantageous matchups. In pass rushing, uh, try to get him on an interior offensive lineman. And the way they did that last year was they would move him inside to the off ball linebacker position, either run a twist rush stunt or have him blitz the interior gaps. Yeah, and which I mean, I still do.
1: And I think, too, you mentioned earlier that, you know, mm-hmm. because you still have Jonathan Hankins under contract for this year and you added Mozzie Smith, you can run packages with two giant D tackles in there that are going to take up some space. And it really can limit what an O line can do when they're trying to stop two giant people mm-hmm. coming up the middle right at him. And so if you say Micah Parsons, even though he's, you know, he's playing on the line, can do a delayed blitz because you basically push try and push three to four linemen with two guys and then engage Micah Parsons while they're trying to stop Mozzie Smith and, and Jonathan Hankins. There's ways you can move stuff around And again, we're we're saying all this without saying Lawrence's Demarcus Lawrence is on the other side, who is a very good pass rusher as well. You know what I would like to see
0: in addition to I do think you'll see Hankins and Mozzie Smith on the field at the same time, especially when you're playing the Eagles.
1: Yeah, I mean you'll see that. Hey, we saw the whole no more no more uh, QB sneak. Yes. That that lineup for the QB sneak. Would you do that and then you put, you know, whoever your linebacker is right in between those two guys and you just have a lot of body mass. I think something else
0: that I I believe Dan Quinn's going to do because we actually saw it in Micah's first year. A lot. We didn't see it so much in his second year um, because I think they had more pass rushers they trusted. But they, they would have a package where they would essentially have Michael Parsons playing the off ball linebacker. And I know he's not going to do that. He's moving the defense in full time. But they would spin him down to Demarcus Lawrence's side and bump Demarcus Lawrence inside on pass rushing downs, almost to make a NASCAR package. And I wonder if at times, depending on the matchup, week to week, if you have a NASCAR package and you could bump DeMarcus Lawrence inside, they got Dorrance Armstrong, they like him a lot. Uh, they got Dante Fowler still, they like him at defense. They got Sam Williams, who they like at defense end. There will be packages, I guarantee you, where they're gonna bump one of those defensive ends inside, whichever one they put on. It's probably gonna be DeMarcus Lawrence. He has the most mass, yeah. and can easily do that. Get them bumped on an interior, a less athletic interior uh, defensive line, offensive lineman, excuse me, and then have Micah rushing from the outside in a, you know, obviously a, a souped up pass rushing package where you have more defensive ends on the field than actual, you know, defensive linemen, if you will. And although, you know, you don't want to do that on early downs, on pass rushing downs, on predictable passing downs, that would be a hell of a pass rushing yeah, package.
1: And I mean you throw an overshawn in there as well when you scoot inside that overshawn is someone you can stick and rush on that outside as well as an edge rusher because we know he's he's rushed the quarterback well on third downs at Texas. So if you say you can kind of run that package with that, and when you when you do that, you overload the other side, so you're basically attacking from both because now you have Overshawn coming on this one side. You've got Micah Parsons in the middle. Mozzie Smith is now moved over, and Demarcus Lawrence is on the other side. You're now pressuring on Lawrence's side. Mm-hmm. You've got Micah Parsons coming straight up the middle and Overshawn coming to the outside. There's just so many different ways with, this, with the additions you made of Overshawn and Mozzie Smith, and now putting Micah Parsons solely at DN where you know this D-line can line up in so many different ways that are making it really difficult for other teams. And I know it's kind of set up in the, hey, we have to beat the Eagles because if you're playing for a Super Bowl, you have to try and beat the best teams, right? You're going your divi-
0: to beat, beat the team in your division too.
1: But also not have, not have the weaknesses to say Micah Parsons it may not be the greatest pass defender, especially as a linebacker. Well, that's fine. Let's go get some other guys that can do that. And try and use him more for what his real strength is.
0: And he actually is a decent passman. He's got yeah. a good run defender. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. his real weakness is that teams want to run right. In. That's why you he say he's going to gain yeah. a little bit of weight because I think when they put him at DN as well, that's going to make it easier for teams to go. Well, we're just going to run at Micah. Yeah, and we're going to roll the pocket. or we going to? We're basically going to bump the bump the pass protection to Micah's side, and then we're going to run at Micah as much as we can. So as I would still move him around, but he's been progressing toward being more we'll of see, a We'll see if him working with
1: Bijan in the offseason has helped him you know, <laughs> with, figure out running backs.
0: Yeah, I should have said that. He is actually working in Austin right now, too. Uh, that was a part of the Clarence Hill report. Um, speaking of uh, getting, and back to DeMarvin Overshawn just really quickly, this is a really good move for DeMarvin Overshawn's career. If he's going full-time to uh, to defensive end, they're going to have Lane Van Der Esch and Demone Clark are probably going to be there two starting off-ball linebackers. After that, I mean, they're not really confident in Jabril Cox. They don't like Jabril Cox as much as I do. Um, they waned on him last year. And then after that, really, the I think the Harper, they had the Oklahoma State linebacker. Um, and He was coming off, I think, an injury last year. But they don't have a ton of depth at off-ball linebacker. Overshown's going to get a shot now to play. And as Patrick mentioned, he's really good at pass rushing. As a matter of fact, he said the Dallas Cowboys told him one of the things that Uh, really attracted them to DeMarvin Overshawn was his ability to rush off the edge as a passer. He had a 25% pressure rate last season for Texas, and that was higher than a lot of those linebackers, Noah Sewell, Daniel Henley, Drew Sanders, uh, Jack Campbell. It was actually a higher pressure rate than those guys. So he's a natural pass rusher off the edge. Cowboys might be uh, weaponizing that talent as as well. All right, uh, getting to... The other uh, story here uh, in the state of Texas, uh, the Texans, who had a really good draft, they drafted CJ Stroud to be their franchise quarterback. And they also drafted Tank Dale, Nathaniel Dell, in the third round, the wide receiver out of U of H. Now, he admitted recently, um, and Patrick, can we have this sound ready? He admitted, Tank Dale admitted recently, that a big part of his selection by the Houston Texans was the – reference, if you will, um, or the go-ahead, the okay from CJ Stroud. Apparently CJ Stroud went out of his way to not only reach out to Tank Dale prior to the draft, but also to speak with the Texans about the uh the receiver and how much he would have liked to have him as a part of his weaponry um, that he's uh targeting there with the Texans. Here is uh Tank Dale of the Houston Texans. Like right after the um, combine, we were texting each other and stuff like that. And he was just telling me like, man, he like, I well, he talked to me after the combine. He was just like, boy, I like how you run routes, like how you, you know, play football. You know, he said he's been watching me and stuff like that. And then I told him the vice versa and, you know, I appreciated him and stuff like that. <clears throat> and then, like, he, t- mm, I think it was like after he got drafted, you know, I signed the congrats. And then I was like, tell him, come get me. <laughs> I told him, tell him, come get me and stuff like that. He and then he was like, I got you, trust me. And then um the next day, I think um he called me, he FaceTimed me out of nowhere. Like I texted him. Yeah, I texted him and he FaceTimed me. And then he was like, man, I told him I want you, yada yada, yada, this, that and the third. So I was like, okay, it can it can happen. And then you know, I got that call. I do love Tankdale's usage of this, that, and the third because this, that, and the third is basically a newer, modernized version of yada, yada, yada. He used both of them, yada, 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 and this, that, and the third. This, that, and the third. I'm going to start using that. Now, this is not the last time you're gonna hear this, that, and the third. This, that, and the third. I love it. Oh, but here's the uh, really the anecdote about that uh, that story that I think is really interesting. That NFL teams are now really considering chemistry between players, not only mostly quarterback wide receiver uh, connections, but they're considering chemistry as a real data point in evaluations and in their you know reasons for talent acquisition and it's it's really interesting because we talked about this actually last year when the raiders brought in Devontae uh, Adams. And it was like, oh, man, they're bringing in Devontae Adams. Big talking point was they're reuniting him with Derek Carr, you know, reuniting, and it feels so good. And then we started to point out there are other examples in the NFL of teams prioritizing chemistry between players, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith, Tua and Jalen Waddle, uh, even Kyler Murray and Marquise Brown. Remember, Kyler Murray reportedly needed a friend. And they were like, you know what, we can find your friend and a top target. So they traded for Marquise Brown to get him a friend and a target, considering chemistry to be a big uh, data point in the evaluation overall of that player and the chemistry of adding another player and what that could do to overall uplift the ceiling of both the players that you acquire because you're putting those two together. So it it is something now that I think some teams may— you know, they may quantify it differently. Um, they may prioritize it more than others. But whether you're talking about the QB wide receiver connection or just chemistry overall and familiarity between players, it is definitely something now that teams are looking at. And it's also, I think, the NBAification of the NFL where the quarterbacks, they are probably the only superstars that get that NBA-type treatment in the NFL. And more teams are asking quarterbacks, maybe out of respect, maybe common courtesy more than anything, what do you think about this guy? give me your thoughts on the wide receivers Dak has said the Cowboys give him film every year on the receivers and they ask for his input we know that Patrick Mahomes had input on the draft of the Kansas City Chiefs with Claudio Solaire and even recently has talked about how he gave his thoughts on Sky Moore in their recent wide receiver picks if you got a franchise quarterback you'd almost be a fool not to ask him hey what are your thoughts about these wide receivers And what would you watch film and tell me which one of these guys you like you like the way they run routes do you have any chemistry with these players and I'm glad Glad the Texans are now in that category of teams.
1: Well, and I mean, we talk about the Texans too. How many times we mention that they're basically that they too too many times was one voice in the room. There mm-hmm. was one voice in the room. So you want to see them reach out? And you go. You don't have to do everything. It could have been they asked C.J. Stroud, "Hey, who's five wide receivers you like?" And Tank Dell's one of the five could be, and then they draft him. So the story is, "Hey, I vouch for Tank Dell. He could have said other names as well." He could have been when they drafted him. He could have said, man, if you can get Jackson Smith and Jigba in here, and they're like, cool, we're getting Will Anderson. That's true. That's
0: a good point. You know, I know, about they, that.
1: There could be other guys that are mentioned in there as well. But you want to go, hey, name the, why do you like this guy? What are, what are the factors? Because you, you talk to him on a different level than we do. We talked about this with Dak a few weeks ago uh, looking at players. It's like you, you talked to him at the Combine, and we, we're job employers. You're another guy who's looking for a job. Y'all are having a conversation in the waiting room that's mm-hmm. way different than we're having in the meeting room. That's true. A- and so to see, what did you like about it? Do, did we meet the same guy you met? Because if we met the same guy and we like this thing about him and that's the real him, because he's telling you the same thing he's telling us, then, okay, now we feel even better taking this guy.
0: Yeah, you're right. It's almost like another reference, another character yeah. reference. Or, because, yeah, you know, you can, go into a, you
1: can walk into uh, a job interview and go in there and lie. And tell them that you're the greatest person. You work well with others, and you and you have a lot of experience doing everything. And then you're sitting in the in the waiting room talking to someone else. You're like, man, I don't even want to. I don't even want to be here, man. I I gotta be home at five p.m. I don't. I'll don't leave the office at five. I'm at home at five. <laughs> and he'd be doing that. And then afterwards, they come talking, Like, no, nah, no, nah, this dude. You know, no, he yeah. told me this. And he told you that. No, that's a good point. I
0: I, I never thought about that. But yeah, you won't you want as many references and as many. I don't know. V- people that can vouch for the character of a player as possible. Yeah. Why not another player? As you've talked about, you know, you open up to another player and say things and talk about things you would not with a scout or with oh, a coach. Oh, hundred
1: percent. And not saying You're that, not doing that with a 40, 50 year old man <laughs> exactly. when you're when you're twenty three years old. Yeah. So what uh, so CJ Stroud's twenty two? Yeah. But he's gotta grow up fast. I mean that's you're twenty two <laughs> years old. You're not going when I was twenty two, I wasn't going up to guys in suits and being like, Yeah, let me tell you about let me go tell you everything about me. I'm not when you're Tank, you're down You're not saying that, but together. And then when you put them in a locker room together, now at 22, 23 years old, and you have grown men in there. You have men that have been playing football for years and are 32, 33, and got kids and got everything else. And they don't. They're not there for you, because they're there to make their own money and they're there to do their own thing. You are able to have another person to come in and and be like, Hey, man, that's crazy. Coach was crazy today, wasn't he? And they go, yeah, man. Coach is crazy. Yeah, man. And then you you let it go and you move on. Yeah,
0: Aaron Rodgers wanted to bring uh, all of his friends with him. He actually got another one today. Randall Cobb joined the J E T S Jets Jets Jets. Always has Alan Lazard up there as well. So it's it's something that should be common sense. That chemistry between players, familiarity between players, as Patrick said, it makes guys a lot more comfortable, uh, especially guys in the same age range. And uh, it's an uh, overall benefit, a symbiotic benefit for the front office, too, because they learn more about the players through these um, different, uh, you know, references by players, if you will. Um, but now it's starting to see, like now they quantify it. I don't like I say Maybe it was always going on, but now you're starting to see it quantified, and you're starting to see it become more common practice. All right, we come back. We'll talk about Puna Ford's new home and also the on three quarterback rankings. We'll get into both of those topics on the other side, right here on Ball Don't Lie on not The Horn. back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9. The horn, uh, the... Flex crew's already in the building. Your Wednesday night flex will be coming up when, once we get done. Uh, before we do that, though, I got, I got to get into this on three quarterback rankings. I also want to get to this Puna Ford news on a midweek movie music edition of Ball Don't Lie when Patrick takes songs from a soundtrack. And based on those selections, we are supposed to gather clues and hints that lead us to the featured film of midweek movie music. All right, Puna Ford, lifetime longhorn. Puna Ford has a new home, undrafted uh, free agent originally, who ended up signing with Seattle, had the five years with the Seattle Seahawks great uh, start to his career he is now signing a one-year deal with the Buffalo Bills yeah makes sense because usually he plays the you know zero technique he's a nose tackle uh, but he moved him around they played him in three technique last year a little bit um, even moved him around different shades uh, even played a little four eye last year with Seattle um, had 22 pressures uh, in last season and also Three sacks, which that was a career high for him. So, Puna Ford going to the Buffalo Bills, to me, goes back to my plunger theory. Because they have interior D linemen. They got Ed Oliver. They got Jordan Phillips. They got Daquan Jones. They got Tim Settle. Most of those guys are predominantly pass rushing, penetrating D tackles. All right. What is Puna Ford? He's a run-stuffing gap clogging, a uh, double-team-taking, old-school, wide-body, run-stuffing run defensive tackle. And that's what every team needs these days because they're realizing, yeah, man, we built these defenses to be sleek and fast to defend the passing game, and we built these defenses to defend the outside zone, all right? So they stress teams by going sideline to sideline. So our teams are fast, they're sleek, all right, and they can defend the pass. But... They can't stop the power running game, which is why last year teams averaged 5.3, 5.2 yards per rush in the power running game on powers and on counters. Inside-outside zone, teams averaged 4.4, 4.3 yards per rush in the league. Why? Because defenses are designed to stop the inside and the outside zone. They're they're actually designed to stop the pass, which is why teams last season ran for 4.5 yards per carry, highest average in NFL history. 121.6 rushing yards per game per team. That is the highest average since 1987. So teams are just figuring out, you know what, the best counter to these teams trying to, you know, construct their defenses to be sleeker and faster and defend the pass and defend the zone running scheme is just run right at these mofos with a power running game because they can't really fix. Or they can't really solve that issue overnight. It, it takes a talent acquisition. It's going to take a serious scheme adjustment. So what are they doing? Same thing the Cowboys did. Go get Jonathan Hankins. All right. Uh, same thing the Eagles did. Go get Ndamukong Suh. Go get Linville Joseph. They did it in the middle of the season. Both of those teams. Two top five defense decided, guys, our only weakness is we can't stop the power running game. And that was the weakness for the Cowboys. So, so much of a weakness, in fact, that they decided to draft One of those plungers I talk about in the first round. Now, most teams decide like the bills, like the Cowboys last year, like the Eagles did last year. You know what? I don't want to spend a ton of money on a position. That's going to have a a ton of wear and tear like the interior defensive lineman. that does all that dirty work. All right. And I don't want to necessarily pay somebody high dollar or top dollar for that specific purpose when it's not a premium position. That's why they want one year rentals and mercenary deals. Well, There are certain teams now that are deciding they are being exploited by this power run game so much, they're going to go get themselves a high priced, high quality, high level interior defensive lineman. Cowboys did it with Mozzie Smith. The Eagles did it with Jordan Davis last year, did it again with Jalen Carter this year and uh, Jalen is a little different because he's a pass rushing interior. He can do anything, right? He can, he's kind of a five-tool interior defensive lineman. But Jay, uh, before that, Jordan Davis, he was more their answer to the wide-body double-team-taking gap-stuffing defensive tackle. And most teams will decide to go with a temporary solution, like a mercenary deal, just to sign a guy to a one-year deal like the Cowboys deal with Jonathan Hankins and maybe re-sign them to a one-year deal. Look at what happened to Puna Ford. But I do think you're seeing a Changing of the guard. You have so many teams that are that are engaging in power football. Power. We just talked about Bijan Robinson going to Atlanta. So many teams engaging in power football that you, it's, you're going to need more than the temporary solution of an interior wide body run stuffing defensive tackle. Like I said, every every team is going to need one of these. Like every house needs a plunger. Because when the fit hits the shan, and you need a plunger, man. It, there's nothing more valuable in your house <laughs> when you need one. Same thing with these defensive tackles. There's nothing more valuable in a defense than when they need that run stuffy D tackle and they ain't got it. And you see all those teams ran out and got one right they, uh, post-haste, all right, as quick as they could. And this is the same thing for the Bills. They got a lot of interior D linemen, but they can't stop the run. And it's becoming an acquired skill. That's why I think Coburn's going to be all right because every team needs a plunger. Every house needs a plunger. Every team needs a Coburn. He's
1: going to be all right. I'm just surprised the Bills understood that you could run the football in, with a running back. <laughs> right. I didn't know that they did Did they draft that. one this year? Did we pay no, attention? No, they did not. They drafted a the
0: tight end, though. They got caught Dalton Kincaid.
1: Yeah. They they got a end. They did not draft a running back. James Cook listed as their starter right now. Hey,
0: they can trade for Derrick Henry still. They
1: can, they're they not going to. They're
0: probably not going to, but they can. They can trade for
1: Dalvin Cook. They can trade for Austin Eckler. They could add pieces if they wanted to. Oh, man. They signed Latavius Murray. Yeah, no, you're right about that. That's I, I still can't figure out what the hell they're doing. They, uh, they
0: don't like running backs. Uh, one quick note just real quick before we wrap it up so I can get to his own three list. Just, I'll just give you the names and we can be done because we're close to the break here. Um, I did see a stat about success rate and Jonathan Hankins. So last year when Jonathan Hankins was on the field, I mean, the Cowboys' rush defense actually was pretty stout. Um, they actually allowed 3.6 yards per rush with him on the field, 4.5 yards per rush with him off the field. Listen to this little stat. The best run defense in the NFL last year had a success rate of 73%. When Jonathan Hankins was on the field for the Cowboys, their rush defense success rate, 74%. Essentially, when he was on the field, they had the best rush defense in the league. That's why they got Mozzie Smith, because they want to replicate that. All right, here's the list real quick of your top quarterback room. So we're up against it. Um, the number one quarterback room, you probably could have guessed it based on on three rankings, it's Lincoln Raleigh's quarterback room. Yeah, you got Caleb Williams. You got the top quarterback uh, projected the top pick overall in the 2024 NFL Draft in Caleb Williams and even behind him, I mean the rich get richer uh, because they have uh, a ton of talent there uh, at USC. So USC's number one on this list. I think a lot of that is the reputation of one Lincoln Rowley, but they also got Malachi Nelson, who's a five-star and Miller Moss, a former blue-chip recruit too. LSU number two on this list, Brian Kelly uh, with Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer as his two options. Both of those guys uh, starting caliber quarterbacks. And number three on this list? Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is Steve Sarkeesian and, and his trio of quarterbacks in that room. Quinn Ewers, who was the highest-rated quarterback in modern recruiting uh, in the last 20 years. Malik Murphy, who some people believe if he left Texas via the transfer portal, which he did not, that he could start for several Power 5 programs, probably including Alabama right now. And then Arch Manning, the prince that was promised. Uh, and They don't even mention uh, Charles Wright, the quarterback from Austin. Hi. So, Texas, Texas Longhorns, a lot of uh, firepower, a lot of arm talent in that quarterback room. Uh, and even this year, if Quinn Ewers can't get the job done, but we all assume that he will in the way to early mock drafts, they have him as a top 10 pick most of the times. But if he cannot, then a lot of people uh, excited about the prospect of Malik Murphy uh, being able to show off that cannon. Remember, Sark said he's got a stronger arm than any quarterback in the room. Including Quinn Yours. So, a uh, lot of high expectations for the Texas program. Oh, to round out the top five, you have uh, Drake May in North Carolina number four. Oklahoma, there you go, with Dylan Gabriel and Jackson Arnold. They are the fifth highest ranked quarterback room in the country, according to On3 Sports. All right, we come back. We'll wrap it up, put it in the oven, and let you know what's on tap. Right here on Ball Don't Lie, on 1049, the horn.
1: Pop top again. you mind if I have some of your tasty beverage to wash
0: Oh, yeah. I've been known to drink a beer or two. I think a man working outdoors feels more like a man if you can have a bottle of suds. It's only my opinion, sir.
1: I got beer. I got bottled breast milk. Eh, Why don't we start with the beer? Okay. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Wait, it's already 5 o'clock here. It's time for What's on Tap. How
0: about a nice cool drink?
1: That's really good. That's good. That is... Mm -hmm. Uh uh
0: uh
1: All right,
0: welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Getting ready to wrap this thing up and put it in the oven. Before we do, we'll let you know what's on tap. Uh, If you missed any part of the show, just go to hornfm.com and you can catch up with them on the podcast page. We got the Flex Crew coming up next. I just got done uh, having a little conversation with the Flex Crew. My man Zach Lucero, Nolan the Seed. Cameron is in the building too hanging out. Yes, sir. Man, it's uh, it's gonna be a hype show tonight. Also, special guests. They're gonna have the Lhasa football head coach Derek Lewis. Uh, he's gonna be joining me, and I believe I got a chance to meet Derek Lewis. At the, uh, at the San Antonio All-American uh, – they had the All-American game. But remember, yeah. they had the football camp prior to that for all the, uh, the young players. Um, and I met Derek Lewis there when I was a volunteer coach uh, for Anthony Williams at one of his uh, showcases there. So that was really fun. He's a really cool guy. Uh, I'll be looking forward to hearing that interview. And Anderson's baseball slash – Football all-world athlete Ed Small, who's an all-flex wide receiver on an all-flex team, but also a UT baseball commit. Uh, He is going to be live in studio. And, uh, man, I remember the first time I – I was talking to Zach about it, too. The first time I saw him play, it was – I see seven on seven actually, because we went out there to watch the guys play, and they kept telling me he was a baseball guy. And I was like, man, he don't play like a baseball player. He, some some football players when they say he's a baseball player, he's a track guy. Yeah, yeah. playing football, they play football like they're a track guy playing yeah, yeah. football, or they're a baseball player avoiding football. contact. Yeah, he that ain't him. No, no he plays. He plays. So I I would love to see him play baseball because I. Like I said, if he's he's obviously a better baseball player than a football player, and I think he's a tremendous
1: football player. So you're saying you don't want to be a first baseman when he's coming down the base path? Hell no! <laughs> and I think
0: he can and he can run, run as Deion say too. So he might be stealing base paths too, man. Uh, great athlete there. So looking forward to the flex, uh, the Wednesday night flex coming up next. All right, uh, Patrick, what you got on tap, brother? What's on tap?
1: Uh, I'm gonna watch uh, the basketball game. It's coming up here at seven, Philly and Boston. Oh, yeah. we'll see that game. And then since I've only got one game tonight, I may be watching the new John Mulaney special. I mean, not. Not checked it out. I've heard good things about it. Oh, yes. This is about his uh, struggle with addiction. His struggle with addiction yeah. during COVID, all that coming back, which seems going to be interesting coming from him because he's a very – his delivery is very – and then I did and, cocaine. Yeah, I, yeah. you know It's going to be an interesting thing. And
0: I saw an interview with him. I don't know why I was watching it randomly. He went on some podcast and they asked him if he had ever – did his drug habit get so bad that he, went, he had been to a trap house? <laughs> and he's like
1: and
0: he's like I didn't know what it was. They had to describe what a trap house was. He's like, "Oh no, I definitely have never been to a trap house before." So, uh, no. yeah, I actually uh sorry you, so I know he's making the rounds about no, that.
1: No, I, I went to a crack house once when I was in Driver's Ed, which I didn't realize at the time, but you, you were didn't like, realize it was a crack house? Yeah, no, the drive the guy who was t- driving teaching the course. <gasps>
0: Uh, yeah. Crack houses have a there. There certain things commonalities between all crack houses you should recognize. <laughs> yeah,
1: I was I was 15 years old. Did not know at the time. And then you were like, "You're like, why are we going to this house? that got broken windows uh, and all this." The guy's like, "I'll be right back," and just uh, went no. in. And then got it. I'm just sitting, and he just had me drive him to a crack uh, house while teaching me how to drive a car. Wow, wow. Something else.
0: Uh, I learned something <laughs> new about Patrick uh, again today at the end of the show. And I saved it up for been the end. to a crack house before. And uh, you know what? Hey, good for I you. I stayed in the car. I was in the car. You didn't mm-hmm. go in the crack house. I did house. not go in. You've been to one, though. You <laughs> saw it. Uh, all right. Thanks, to my man Patrick. Thanks to my man Hartz. Thanks to all of you guys out there for listening. Remember the revolution will not be televised. We'll be talking about right here on Ball Don't Lie. We love you guys. We mean that. Take care of yourselves. But more importantly, take care of each other. Wednesday Night Flex coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Peace.